Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard weekly on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On our podcast this week, we're going to talk about vaccine passports, what they are, and why you'll probably need one if you want to travel anywhere in the future. Travel writer Jim Byers wrote an interesting blog on it in the Canadian Travel News website, calling it a necessary evil. So we'll chat with him about it in just a few minutes. Then we'll head to Mexico, get some tips on long-term rentals, both during and post-pandemic, with the founder of the website EternalExpat.com. Her name is Laura Bronner, and we'll get some insight on what it's like to live in Mexico. And I'm looking forward to this because later in the podcast, professional photographer Scott Kelby, author of a new book called The iPhone Photography Book, will join us to give us some photo tips you can use when taking photos with your iPhone. There's probably a lot of things I could learn to be better at it, so I'm looking forward to that. But to start our podcast this week, we're going to talk about the concept of vaccine passports, what they are, and why you'll probably need one if you want to go anywhere in the future. Travel writer Jim Byers wrote an interesting blog on it in the Canadian Travel News website, canadiantravelnews.ca, called Vaccine Passports, a Necessary Evil for Tourism Recovery. And Jim joins us now to discuss it further. Hi, Jim. Hey, Randy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. When we're talking about uh, vaccine passports, let's kind of do a, a definition. What do we mean by vaccine passports? Well, it kind of depends. And, and the, one, of the, one of the issues you face here, Randy, is that it's still a, a fairly new concept and it, it carries different meanings to different people. Some people will say it's a, it's a way that somebody can at least identify themselves as being someone who's been vaccinated. Um, other people are saying you should use that as a means to decide whether people are even allowed into your destination. You know, so there are countries uh, in Europe, uh, Israel has been pretty aggressive with this. Israel also has like a green card kind of a program where you can't go to the gym unless you've been vaccinated. You've got to have this special card. You can't go to a live theater unless you've been vaccinated. That, that might be a little bit extreme. But generally, when I talk about a vaccine passport, it's, it's something that you would have like uh, now even when you want to go uh, to say, South Africa or parts of South America, you have to have a yellow fever inoculation and proof of that, that you've been vaccinated against yellow fever. And I think maybe even for some diseases, you know, other parts of the world. So it would be similar to something like that, where you would say, you know, only people with this uh, proof of vaccine are allowed to visit country XYZ. Mm -hmm. And you call it a necessary evil. I have to agree. I think philosophically, I don't really agree with it. It's kind of a backdoor way of um, forcing people to uh, take a vaccine when they don't want to. But if you want to travel and if you want to go places, it is a necessary evil and something you're just going to have to put up with. It's quite possible. I don't like it either, Randy. I mean, it, 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 as, you know, kind of an egalitarian sort of person, you know, it, it, that's an unfortunate by, byproduct of something like this is that, you know, mostly people from more developed countries and perhaps some people with certain age groups or maybe people with better access to health care might end up with a vaccine before somebody else. And, you know, does that discriminate against uh, someone from, you know, a small country in a lesser developed part of the world? Yeah, it probably does. I, I don't think those people are traveling as much anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would be spending as much. And, you know, I, I just kind of tried to put myself in this situation when I was writing that story for our, our, our travel news website of, you know, how would I feel if I was a cab driver in, in, in Saskatoon or if I was a hotel operator in, in Jamaica or Cancun? You know, what, 
what would I think? I would think bring on the tourists. I mean, there are people around the world who are literally, if not dying, they're suffering very badly. Mm -hmm. Tourism is the major income source of income for uh, dozens of countries in the Caribbean, even parts of Europe. Uh, You know, Italy, for example, you know, heavily dependent on on tourism. And uh, uh, when you bring when when tourism comes to a halt, it doesn't just hurt, you know, uh, uh, the guy who owns the Marriott Hotel on on Maui. You know, it it hurts uh, uh, the hotel workers and the plumbers and the caterers and uh, uh, and the airline people that fly them there. So uh, I I don't like the idea. I I really don't. But I think uh, I think it is a necessary evil to get tourism going. And one in 10 jobs in the world are, are tourism related. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a sector that's really just suffered very, very badly. Yeah, exactly. And we're not just talking about countries. We're talking about companies. I'm thinking about uh, the cruise, li- cruise lines, for example, who have already said, uh, basically, if you want to take a cruise, you're going to have to have a vaccine. And so the flip side is, yeah, if I want to take a cruise, I want to make sure that everyone else on there, if I have my vaccine, I want to make sure everyone else has their vaccine. So there's that kind of a story too. But but uh, like you say, the airlines, the cruise lines, all of them uh, that are not government run, privately run, um, have a say in this too. They do. And Qantas uh, started this off in November. They had of Qantas, the Australian-based airline there, Andy, made this point. It was the first person I saw bringing up. And he said, we will not allow anyone on board a, a plane without without a vaccination uh, proof or without a vaccination passport. So uh, that kind of got things rolling. You know, the Canadian government, uh, the uh, health minister this week, Patty Hatchew, uh, said, well, it's a very, her quote was, very live discussion that's going on with, with the other G7 leaders. I don't think the Trudeau government loves the idea uh, at all, but they're at least exploring it as potentially a way to get around this. And there's still these simple logistics. I mean, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people already have a vaccine. So now you've got to get all those people their documentation, right? Right. And that's something that that, that Minister Hadju said the other day. She said, look, one of the, the big problems that that we have in this is that we have to find a way to have clear guidelines and a program that goes across various countries. It wouldn't work if Canada's got one that says proof of vaccination and and it's called something else from Ghana and something else from Mm. the United States and something else from France. I mean, it just can't work. It it probably would have to be something that everyone's favorite group, the World Health Organization, would have to get involved with or some group like that that's an overarching the World Tourism and Travel Council. Somebody like that would probably have to come up with some level of proof. Otherwise, it's going to be very confusing. And, and you can't just have, you know, 17 different varieties of vaccine passports. It would have to be almost a, a near universal program in order for it to work. The article is called Vaccine Passports, a Necessary Evil for Tourism Recovery. You can find it on CanadianTravelNews.ca. And Jim Byers is the uh, author of that blog. I appreciate your time, Jim. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Randy. Have a good one. Well, there are many people who like to escape the winter months to warmer climates and many more who dream about it, like me. Well, one person who has done just that and is doing it right now in Mexico is Laura Bronner. She is the founder of the website eternalexpat.com. Lots of information on traveling to Mexico. 
on her website. And Laura joins us now to give us some insight on what it's like to live in Mexico and offer some tips on how to find that long-term rental. Again, her website is eternal-expat.com. Hi, Laura. Hi. Tell me where you are right now and give me a little bit of a weather report to make me jealous because I know you're in Mexico. Oh, no. but... <laughs> right now I am in San Jose del Cabo in Mexico, which is in Baja California Sur, and uh, it's about 24 degrees. Well, that's about 20. I can't see any clouds out there. <laughs> You're making me jealous already, but uh, <laughs> tell me about uh, a little bit about your travel experiences on your website, which is external expat.com uh, or eternalexpat.com, sorry. Uh, your slogan is okay. live a lifetime of travel. It sounds to me, uh, just looking at your website, you've uh, you've done that. Yeah, I tried to so far in the last 11 years or so. I uh, was never the original intention. I, um, I left college and I wanted to do a little bit of a gap year. So I thought I would start as far away as I could in New Zealand. I did a working holiday visa there. Uh, but I thought, I'll only work for six months, I'll save up as much as I can, and then I'll travel the world for six months. But <laughs> if you've ever been to New Zealand, it's not a, not a great place to save as a 22-year-old. Uh, so I spent a whole year there, uh, felt a little bit bitten by the travel bug at that point, and realized that I could do the same thing in Australia. So I moved to Australia, to Sydney, for a year, and then loved it so much, I studied, <laughs> I studied there, so I stayed another year. And um, from there, it was sort of like the the birth of all of this. I, I wanted to keep living abroad. I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone and travel more and live in other places. So I taught English in Korea for a year, and that takes all of those boxes. <laughs> um, it was very different. It was real culture shock for the first time, and, and it was amazing. It's a beautiful country. It's just very interesting culture very different to, to growing up in the in the u.s and and it really really launched my my career now that i have uh, because i thought i would love teaching <laughs> english but i didn't uh, so <laughs> it really sent me on a journey of discovering what it is i wanted to do career-wise and and that was writing and continuing to travel and live abroad and understand other cultures so i ended up in mexico <laughs> Uh, another place I'd never been, but I, I wanted to live somewhere else and, and try my hand at learning Spanish. Uh, it was, again, only supposed to be for a year. And every year, my, my boyfriend and I would say, OK, just one more year, just one more year. And uh, this June, it'll be five years in Mexico. Well, I think for uh, many of us, well, I'll speak for myself, you're living the dream, Laura. So <laughs> tell me about the area of San Jose del Cabo, where you are right now, uh, and what it's like in terms of uh, COVID restrictions, and what have you found, and what have you learned? So it's changing pretty regular here in Mexico. Um, if you're not up to date on that system, there's a, they've basically got a traffic light system going on, and the federal government are mandating different states depending on availability of, of hospital beds and case numbers and that sort of stuff. So red is the strictest. Uh, it's basically almost like a lockdown. And then you have orange and then yellow and then green. And at the minute, Baja California Sur is in the yellow. They just changed into the yellow about a week ago. So uh, there's a bit more allowed to go on. We can, we can have outdoor markets again. Um, the capacity in restaurants is about 50%, uh, but masks are required pretty much everywhere, every public space. It's, 
not quite the law, but but obligatory everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it's it's easy here in in Mexico when everything's outside, you know. Even, yeah, I, even the restaurants. I yeah, mean, I think it's a lot easier that. to do that in a, in a climate where you can be outside and social distance a lot easier than say up in Canada when it's cold. Um, right. So tell me a little bit about uh, how long do you stay in one spot and and just the the moving around aspect and how easy that is. Um, <laughs> really, for about four years, I lived in Mexico City in the same apartment, and um, that was home. And it wasn't until the, the pandemic that things changed a lot for us. There was no real reason for us to be in Mexico City anymore. It was really oh, claustrophobic and <laughs> busy <laughs> and still. And, and it was, yeah, it was, it was time to, to head out and, and try and be near the coast, try and be outdoors and uh, feel a little bit safer. So, yeah, we headed to Barra de Navidad, which is a pretty popular Canadian <laughs> Uh, expat spot down in Jalisco and from there it's been sort of two months and then maybe another month somewhere else and and, um, another month here and now we're almost two months into staying in San Jose del Cabo. (laughs) So so give me some tips now if I wanted to follow in your footsteps and and live the dream like you are (laughs) uh, how difficult (laughs) is it uh, finding long-term rentals and um, you know, and, and what advice would you have for someone that's kind of wanting to do the same thing? Yeah, the the easiest way to do it is to to be there, <laughs> uh, to to be on the ground, speaking to, to property managers, uh, real estate agents, to wander around neighborhoods and look for uh, for rent signs in the neighborhoods that you want to be in. Those are the best ways to to find any sort of rentals, whether you're looking for a month to month or you're looking for you know, a completely unfurnished apartment to live in for a year or two. Those are the those are the places that are are the best, uh, especially to get you know a sort of better price. If you're if you're still in Canada and you're trying to rent a place on Airbnb or or a furnished place through through Craigslist, you're definitely going to get the tourist price and get the the tourist rentals, the vacation rentals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not until you're on the ground and in the place, wandering around and, and speaking to locals that you find the kind of gems. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, one of the, uh, the things that's uh, that kind of stuck with me when I'm looking at uh, some of your videos. By the way, you can uh, watch uh, Laura on uh, YouTube and also from our website, eternalexpat.com. But um, it's not just looking on a website, finding a place and booking it. Uh, when you on the, are on the ground, and it's like anything else, there's sort of a, a level of price for tourists, and then there's a level of price for people that know how to get by and go go beyond uh, the basics, right? Right. So, and speaking Spanish helps too. <laughs> I was and I was going to say that too. Uh, is language a barrier, and how uh, how affordable is it? Uh, well, well, you can speak about the area that you're in right now versus maybe a, a larger center in the U.S. or Canada. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to be by the beach in the U.S., you'd be you'd be spending quite a bit more. I'd say <laughs> maybe <laughs> at least double. Um, but it's it's affordable when you come with dollars and you come with um, you know Canadian dollars. It's, it's far more affordable. And, and when you're comparing it to what you pay at home, um, it's, yeah, I mean, I can't even think of what I would pay to live back in New York by the beach. Yeah. <laughs> even 
in the colder months. Uh, again, some some tips on on just uh, I guess if you if you found a hotel or something you're gonna stay in for a few days and then and that's kind of like the the idea to to map out where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. And when we got here a couple of months ago, now we we stayed in a hotel by the beach and we've never been to San Jose, so it was sort of first trying to get our bearings and and see where we wanted to be, where were the places that uh, you know we were willing to to spend a month or more and. Um, that's then where we started wandering around, taking photos of all of the for rent signs, um, picking up the brochures that a lot of real estate agents have. Out here, it's definitely easier around here where there are a lot more um, people coming from, from Canada and the U.S. looking for these sort of rentals. So mm-hmm. it's almost in your face. You don't have to look very hard. Whereas <laughs> maybe if you were in Mexico City or, or Guadalajara, you would have to work a little bit harder. But here it's yeah very easy. And I suppose a uh, silver lining in this pandemic thing is a lot of people are working remotely. So I suppose you could just take your work with you. And if you have children in school, they can still do their schoolwork online and, and do all of that no matter where you are. Absolutely. There's plenty of people doing that down here. Laura Bronner is the founder of Eternal Expat. Lots of information, uh, and uh, you can watch her videos on YouTube, eternal-expat.com. It was fun chatting with you, Laura. Enjoy the sun. Thank you so much. Well, if you're like me, you enjoy using your iPhone to take a few photos when you're traveling. And if you're like me, (laughs) there's probably a lot you don't know about taking better pictures with your iPhone. And that's where professional photographer Scott Kelby comes in. He is the author of a new book called The iPhone Photography Book. And Scott joins us now to talk about his book and give us a few tips while we're at it. His website, by the way, is scottkelby.com. Hi, Scott. Hey, Randy. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. I love taking pictures with my iPhone. This uh, book answers everything for me now, I'm hoping. <laughs> like It's like, this is exactly <laughs> what I need. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there because I'm not a techie person. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of imagining uh, how this book came about. Uh, a number of people, you know, over and over asking you at social gatherings, I have an iPhone. How do I take better pictures? <laughs> is that kind of the idea how the book came about? Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I, we've gotten to a point with, uh, in particular, the iPhone's camera, where it just takes such good shots that, you know, my wife is an iPhoneographer, and she's the, kind of the one that inspired me. So, you know, we're going on vacation. The two of us, we love to travel, so we go all over the world. I, I'm hauling all this heavy, expensive gear. I've got a bag, and I've got lenses, and I'm changing lenses and stuff. And my wife will just show me her phone and go, look what I just got. (laughs) And I'm looking at her phone and I'm like, what am I doing here? She's getting amazing shots with her phone. And I'm just like, I'm dragging all this stuff everywhere. And, and, and my, my day job is to teach professional photographers. That's my job. I have my whole business is built around that, teaching them not only how to take the photos, right. and, And how to do studio lighting and flash lighting and Photoshop and Lightroom and all these programs. I mean, that, that's my gig. That's my, my day job. And my wife is taking these lights out photos with her phone, and it really inspired me to start taking iPhone photography seriously. So that's kind of what, when I realized, I see where the future's going. And the things that Apple is doing with this uh, computational photography, 
it's just crazy. Like the images, you look at them, they're like, there's no way this came from a phone, <laughs> but they are. And so that's why I thought, what if I took the same techniques that I teach professional photographers about lighting and about, you know, taking uh, portraits and landscapes and travel photography and all this stuff. What if I took the same exact concepts? And the only thing that changed is you're holding an iPhone as your camera. Yeah, well, exactly. Right? And you're but not lugging all the stuff that you're talking about. Yes, you're not, because you've already got your phone. You're already carrying a great camera, but you're like, nope, I want to carry another heavy. <laughs> so it really did. It's, that's what inspired me. It was, it's my wife, you know. We're, and, and the other thing is, we're out there shooting someplace. Let's just say we're, we're in Santorini, and we're shooting, and my wife's showing me her pictures. Well, while we're standing there, she's got them on Instagram. And yeah. I'm like, well, I have to wait till we get back to the hotel, and then I have to put in a memory card reader, and I have to download my images, and then I have to sort them, and then I have to edit them. While we're standing there, she's got them on Instagram. And I'm like, I'm doing this all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I'm carrying two cameras now. Is it the phone itself, or do you need extra apps to help you along? I mean, there are a couple of great apps, and I'm going to just tell you up front, it's my wife that turned me on to these, but there is a, a little app that now Apple's photo app is great. And all, all the people that are really serious, like if you're really serious about editing on your phone, uh, everybody uses Lightroom, which is from Adobe. And it's like a cousin to Photoshop, but it, it's an easier cousin to Photoshop, but it's very, very powerful. But the other one that she turned me on to that is, is really crazy is called Lens Distortions. That's the name of the app and it's very inexpensive. I want to say it's like a buck 99. It's super cheap, but it is. It lets you add these effects and these just amazing looks by just dragging and dropping. And the whole time I'm using this app, I'm thinking, I'm using a $1.99 app? Why isn't this in Photoshop? <laughs> this thing is amazing. It can really take your, your images to a whole other level, and you can add sun flares, and you can add all these cool effects and looks and all. And it's just a, a tap of your finger. And I'm like, I think what I have to do to get these kind of looks in Photoshop and here – for a buck ninety nine, you just tap and add it. it. It's incredible. So that's one of the apps that I always tell people: if you're going to get an app to go along with what you already have, like the Apple's Photo app or Lightroom, the next one is Lens Distortions. Just ridiculously cool. Lens Distortions is that's that's the one. Yeah. Okay, I'm writing this down. Bad name for a really cool app. <laughs> you try it once, and you're going to be like, I can't believe this app is not just like the, the king. It's really, really great. Now, does it matter what uh, model of iPhone I have? It seems to me that every time that Apple comes out with a new iPhone, it's pretty much the camera that makes the difference. Uh, I have an iPhone 10. Um, how, how would you rate that? I, I'm just looking at my the photos I take. I think they're pretty good, but I'm not a professional photographer. It's, it's, it's like you, you look at it with a different eye. I would rate the iPhone 10 as a really great camera. It's really good. And the cameras that have gotten a little better, like for the iPhone 11 and, and on, but it's the software. So as long as you've got the latest iOS, you're still going to have a lot of great features. Mm -hmm. um, just, of course, some of the new, you know, the, the Pro Max features are, are slightly better. But you're getting, I would say, 90% of the power even on the, on the iPhone 10. Uh, that you're having on today's leading ones. But, you know, Apple's done the research, and they know the thing that's driving iPhone sales is a better camera and more camera features. You know, I, I just read this, and this blew my mind, that Apple has over 
800 people working full-time just on the camera. <laughs> that's just a, that's a lot of people just saying, let's wake up in the morning and make the camera better in this phone. And, and every time they do, every time they release a new iOS, every time they release a new camera, it's that much better. It's just... It really has evolved in an incredible way. At some point, you got to think that they're not going to come up with anything. <laughs> like they've done it all. But yeah, at I, some point, the check the checklist has got to get really short. Mm-hmm. What's left to do? Give me some uh, basic pointers now, just from a you know basic photography uh, point of view of uh, how I can take better pictures. Okay, I got a great tip for you. So one of the things that people struggle with is sometimes the pictures are, are too bright or too dark or mm-hmm. something. So, you know, we tap to focus, right? So if I'm shooting a portrait of my wife, I tap on, you know, her face on the screen. Well, once you tap, if you tap and hold, you can slide your finger up to make the, the photo brighter, or you can slide it down to make it darker. Oh. So you have complete control before you even take the shot to get the exposure just where you want it, and then you take the shot. Hmm. And it, it works amazingly well. And, and it, it used to be you had to tap in a particular place, but now you can pretty much just tap on screen. Swipe up to make it brighter. Swipe down. I'm telling you, it's it's more important than it sounds. You'll be able to nail how the the the, you know how the exposure, the darkness or brightness of the photo, just with your finger. Uh huh. Um, My wife and I always have this discussion about taking pictures, uh, posing, especially if you're traveling. I'm going to pose next to some I don't know famous thing or whatever, versus just kind of catching someone uh, doing something naturally. What are your thoughts on that? Well, everybody loves a candid photo. Nobody says, you know what I want? I want to look stiff and posed. <laughs> so it, it really, obviously, if you can get candid, you know, candid images are always going to look more authentic and they're going to look real. Now, there are people that have gotten really good at posing and they can make themselves look, you know. But your average person, we're better off to just capture those candid moments. But you know what? The iPhone's great for this. And I got a great tip for you that will help you be able to capture that that genuine moment. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is this. So generally we like, you see your kids doing something interesting and you just want to take a really quick picture before they stop. Yeah. Because once they see you pointing the camera at them, then they, they freeze. Exactly. Here's the tip. So normally you, you get the phone and then you swipe and you wake it up and it does face ID or fingerprint, whichever you have, you know, you take some moment. You don't have to do that. You don't even have to wake up your phone. If you pick up your phone before you wake it up, you know, you know, pick up your phone and it, it activates, right? The light comes mm-hmm. on, but it wants you to enter your ID and all that. Don't do that. Just swipe to the left and your camera appears. Really? Without waking up. The, I know it's crazy. It's a really cool. It's, it's the feature to get help you get that candid quick shot. It's just don't even wake it up. I'm not waking. That's the key. Your, <laughs> it's your gut reaction is to wake up the phone. Don't do it. Just swipe. And there's your camera. And, it's, and you're ready to shoot. And that's how you don't miss the shot is having the camera so yeah. ready. It's a split second. I just did it. I swiped to the left and there it is. <laughs> there it is. And there's your camera, right? Uh, lighting. Tell, we only have about a minute here, but just some, I always heard that, you know, morning and evening is best for lighting uh, when you're uh, on a, in, in, in a destination. That's absolutely true. If you're shooting like travel, it's going to look best in the morning. And if you're willing to get up early, you're going to have empty streets and you're going to have beautiful light and everything good. And the tourists are all sleeping in and you're out there getting amazing shots. Um, but the only thing is, is I would tell you to, to keep your camera very still. 
if you keep your camera very still in low light situations, it will do really well. It will look, do great at sunset. It will do great. But we don't even think about keeping still. Mm. But the stiller you keep it, the sharper and crisper your shot will be. And what I do is I just kind of tuck my arms against my body. Instead of holding it way out in front of you, hold, don't hold it quite out as far. The further <laughs> you hold it out, the more your arms are going to shake. <laughs> okay, if you can kind of brace. And I'll also, I'll lean against stuff. Like if I'm shooting inside a cathedral or an yeah. opera house or something, I'll lean against a wall, hold my camera still as possible, and you'll get really nice sharp shots. Perfect tips. Uh, how can people order your book? Oh, well, it's, it's available wherever fine books are sold. So <laughs> Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters, wherever. Is Chapters still a thing? Chapters is still a thing. Chapters is still a thing. Uh, the I iPhone. I love Chapters. <laughs> so do I. Uh, the iPhone photography book. Uh, it's written by Scott Kelby. His website is scottkelby.com. Uh, and it was uh, real fun chatting with you, Scott. Thank you for the tips. I'm going to try them all. Randy. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.